0: Okay, let's get this uh, let's get this latest episode going. I'm Dr. Jack Stockwell. I'm here with Mary.
1: I'm Mary, and I'm excited to be here. We had a great protocol podcast last time where we talked about the 636, and we are going to just expand on that today.
0: Yeah, because we have this hot little news item that just came in from our school nurse. Yes, our son. Yeah, our son. He is a freshman in high school, and this just came in from the school nurse. We all love our school nurses. We all love our schools. But, uh, you know, it's, it's as the typical medical approach to these kinds of uh, issues. And this issue is this enterovirus D68 that's spreading around the country right now. Uh, a virus that can cause mild to severe respiratory symptoms. In fact, unfortunately, there's been a couple of children, maybe more than that, that have uh, succumbed to this.
1: Yeah. And that's very, very scary. But even what's more scary is the Ebola so this is, this is really important. We protect our children. And this is what we were given to protect our Yeah, son. And it's,
0: it's, very, it's right out of the, um, the message book of Sanjay Gupta of CNN, <laughs> who says that about the only thing you can do to protect yourself from these viral entities passing around the country right now, or around the whole globe for that matter, is to wash your hands.
1: Ridiculous. It's very sad. And that's why we're doing the Forbidden Doctor, to get this information out. There's A lot you can do to rebuild, to protect, to prevent. aren't our
0: bodies set to do that anyway?
1: Set to restore and repair. Here's, Here's what the nurse's desk said. I'll read a couple of these. The first one is wash hands often with soap and water for 20 seconds. Okay, that's good advice. That's great. Doesn't rebuild your immune system or prepare your body for anything, but it, you know, it's a little preventative. Number two, avoid touching eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. I mean, that's pretty important, especially if you're around somebody that has Ebola or a terrible virus. You don't want to be fixing your eyelashes and well, <laughs> sticking yeah, your fingers you, in your anytime eyes. Anytime
0: you've been around any kind of condition that isn't, well, it doesn't. I mean, we're, we're not fanatics about being sterile or something like that, but anytime you're around anybody that. Uh, or any kind of a vector where there's been a lot of people, which would be escalator handles, uh, buttons well, on elevators, uh, <laughs> taxi cab doorknobs, these kinds of things. It's not the smartest thing in the world to touch these things and then touch your eye.
1: Although if, the, if you're touching silver, you know how some of these push doors have these silver mm-hmm. plates on them? That's a lot more sterile than the wood on next to it, okay, the the by chrome the way. Surfaces. So that's a little tip there. But Next time you pull up to a stop sign, I'm sure you've all seen this, watch how many people are picking their noses.
0: Well, not, <laughs> not me. you, of course. No, not me.
1: <laughs> but that goes right into you, too. So it's the eyes and the nose. So that's number well, viral two. Viral
0: elements can only get into the body through the mucous membranes. Right. Primarily the eye. You shake mm-hmm. hands with somebody that's ill, you touch your eye, you're going to get it. Yeah.
1: So avoid touching eyes, nose, mouth, and unwashed, and unwashed hands. Number three, avoid sharing cups or eating utensils, kissing or hugging with people who are Mm. sick. Boy, you know, I don't know what we'd do without this information. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling you. Number four, cover your mouth and nose when coughing or sneezing with a tissue or into the inside of your elbow. Mm. (laughs) Unless you're in Egypt, because they wipe themselves after going to the bathroom. Number two, mind you, with their arms. So, <laughs> pretty scary. And then number five, disinfect frequently touch surfaces such as toys and doorknobs, especially if someone is sick. Boy, that's just, that's, boy, brilliant here. Number six, for school children,
0: if they're ill, keep
1: them at home
0: until they're without symptoms for 24 hours. Nothing on here about prevention, nothing about the immune system, nothing about this you mentioned a moment ago, Mary about the body is set to repair and restore itself, nothing about playing into natural immunity processes in the human body. It's just this kind of stuff.
1: Or strengthening us so we can be one with all these viruses and bacteria, so we can be like the little stable boy in Frozen that played in the manure, or at least worked in the Mm -hmm. manure all of his life. Never got sick. Never got sick, and he's the strong one. That's what we should be preparing for All these viruses, this Ebola and this, um, um, what's the one,
0: Enterovirus? The the Enterovirus D68 is the current. D68, yes. Also, we're coming into uh, flu season. Always. (laughs) The, The fall seems to predominate for flu, cold flus because the sun's at a bigger angle. You're not getting your vitamin D. You don't get vitamin D. You don't get calcium absorption. You don't get calcium absorption. You don't have an immune system that's worth a damn.
1: Yeah, we, we discussed that in depth in our last podcast. So if you didn't hear that, listen to that. But we are going to really get deeper this time. We're going to go to where all
0: disease well, begins. Well, why don't we just do that now? Where does disease okay. begin? Somebody told us that 2,400 years ago.
1: Hippocrates, yeah. all diseases begin in the gut. Yes. And that's the way he said it. Plural. He is
0: known as the father of modern medicine, 2,400 years ago, to modern medicine. Because of his diagnostic regimen, not diagnostic tools. And I was just listening to Dr. Tom Frieden, Frieden, who is a director of the CDC on a CNN news broadcast a while ago. And he quoted Hippocrates with the idea of first do no harm. I mean, yeah. that comes from the Hippocratic Oath first do no harm. Uh, the problem with uh, modern medicine, uh, and this is 2014, the problem with modern medicine is that they've been hijacked by the pharmaceutical industry and by the food processing industry so that the whole the, the curriculum in the schools, the grants, the research, the fellowships, the loans, the low-interest loans that are given to medical school students are being fostered by the industry that wants us to continue eating denatured foods and to become dependent upon pharmaceutical drugs. They've even rewritten the medical texts. They've rewritten the lab books. They've censored this. They've censored that. They've created the FDA to make sure that nothing out there is promoted except medicine and drugs. And it's a conspiracy to one of the largest on the face of the planet.
1: And we're so dumbed down.
0: And and then we get these uh, 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 primetime television shows that just highlight uh, some big diagnostic discovery. And here's the drug that they need. And every and all's well that ends well. And it's all based on drugs rather than an approach to what you mentioned it a moment ago, Hippocrates, and the idea that all disease begins in the gut.
1: Now, why does that make sense? I mean, he's an old guy. 2,400 years ago, you know, we got fancy new medicines, fancy new medical procedures, fancy new Advice, but not really. If you look at this, it's pretty dumbed down advice.
0: She doesn't say anything about the calcium wave. She doesn't say anything about whole food vitamin C. She doesn't talk anything about uh, having uh, iodine saturated cells in the thyroid. So, as the blood is flushing through the thyroid, every 17 minutes, all the blood in the body will pass through the thyroid where it's getting a bath of iodine. Mm -hmm. Uh, that will also be a very powerful antibiotic effect on the bad things, not the good things, the bad things.
1: Well, let's talk about the gut. 80 to 85% or so of our immune system is in our gut. Now, the other part is in our spleen, our bone marrow, our lymphs, that type of thing. But the gut is the first defense. So when we eat pathogens, we eat toxic food, we smell, well, that goes more through the lungs, but that goes through the gut eventually, eventually also. Yeah. So so the gut, what is so important about the gut? Well, first of all, if you just think of this logically, if you can't break down and absorb your food, how do you rebuild? How do you make a brand new cell? I mean, that's that's very important that we're able to continue to live and survive and we can rebuild every our entire body. I mean, you know, the, the um, different systems take different amount of times to rebuild. The nervous system takes about seven years. The bones take about three years. The um, endocrine glands te- take about three, three and a half. Mine took about four years to <laughs> completely be better. My thyroid healed, everything else. The digestive system, though, turns over about almost every day.
0: Well, the inside lining of your mouth, the inside of your cheeks that touch the teeth, every day. Uh, constantly, new cells, constantly, yeah. all the time.
1: Yeah, and so it's a good thing. It's a good thing our digestive tract doesn't take seven years to heal, or we would oh. be dead. Yeah, we'd be gone. So, so the reason this is so important that we get the gut healthy is because, first of all, we absorb nutrition through the gut. But the gut has another huge job, and that is to kill pathogens, to get rid of mercury that's in our gut, to... to um, it also produces all the B vitamins. It um, produces enzymes that kill viruses and bacteria and bad fungi and bad yeast that are out of balance and all kinds of other things. It produces every antibiotic known to man under the sun. Every antibiotic it produces. So this is our first line of defense, that we keep our gut healthy. Then the second thing is, is then we're able to absorb nutrition so we can rebuild our liver that cleanses us out. We can rebuild the lung tissue. We can rebuild our skin. Do you know if somebody gets within three feet of you, your skin turns a little bit acidic?
0: Yes. To yeah, it's ward known off as the acid mantle, of mm-hmm. skin should be between four point five and five point five pH, mm-hmm. so that anything landing on the skin, which of course there are billions of things landing on the skin all the time. And uh, if they are of any threat to us, they are immediately destroyed by the acidic nature of our skin.
1: So what happens if somebody kisses you? Riddler!
0: You know, it's also, we can carry a lot further than a kiss. Sex. Your Mm -hmm. immune system goes crazy.
1: Goes goes nuts. Goes nuts,
0: even during sex, because it wants to repel the invader. Yeah. And the invader is the bacteria that's on our bodies, the viruses on our body, let alone our body fluids. Mm-hmm. And so the immune system is, and it doesn't, you know, we get to know our neighbors and we get to know our kids and our family and, <laughs> oh, this is a good person, that's a person, a bad person. The immune system doesn't see that. The immune system looks at everything around it as the enemy. If it's not self, it's the enemy.
1: But what are we going to do? Stay indoors all the time? Never have sex? Never kiss anybody, never...
0: Shake hands, hug, you know... Go to the store. Be in a room with somebody else that's breathing heavy.
1: Use the same toilets. I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, basically what they're telling us to do is isolate ourselves away from everybody. Yeah, everybody becomes separate, alone, close the windows, shut the doors, lock, go into isolation and quarantine. I mean, those things are important when they need to be, but... Let's figure out and let us teach you how to make yourself invincible so you can be like the little boy in the movie Frozen so you can go out in the world because even when you are in a full hazmat suit you can still get Ebola as we've been shown.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the people with uh, hazmat suits trying to protect themselves. We know from what the CDC has to tell us that there's varying grades of severity of transmissible diseases, grade one, grade two, stage one, stage two. Uh, some of the things floating around the planet right now are some very, very serious viral problems. We've got the uh, bubonic plague, reappears almost every year in the American Southwest. These kinds of things, extremely contagious, very dangerous. And in the midst of all of this, nobody's ever talking about the immune system. They're always trying to talk about isolate them as you mentioned, the hazmat suits that they're using yeah. for some of the current problems that are taking place, so that we can we can avoid this time bomb or we can avoid that minefield or we can avoid that health avalanche that's just waiting around the corner for the right person, rather than strengthening and building ourselves up. Now, you mentioned a few moments ago about uh, the majority of the immune system being inside the gut. There's something that's called the GALT, the gut-assisted mm-hmm. lymphoid tissue, I think is what it is. Mm-hmm. Associated, Associated lymphoid. Associated lymphoid, yes. Uh, where you have all of these pyres patches. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're the police stations of the gut. You have uh, these lymph nodes along the sides of the neck, uh, in the groin, along the stomach wall, places where these, uh, the white blood cells, the immune cells of the body, um, hang out waiting for the five-alarm fire. Uh, There's a way to build that immune response. There's a way to activate those immune cells. There's a way to have them ready at any time to come out and to conquer the enemy. Mm -hmm. The problem is the current lifestyle of Americans, being a rather sedentary lifestyle, a lifestyle of processed foods, a lifestyle of preserved foods, has a very diminishing effect upon the strength of the immune system. And even though the majority of it may be found in the gut, it's what we put in the gut that puts that majority of the immune system to sleep. And it puts it to sleep through the pathogenic effect.
1: It also destroys
0: it. Well, it it does. And through the pathogenic effect of the overgrowth of the wrong kind of flora, which is kind of where this discussion probably ought to move, is that we know that 90% of the DNA inside of our body isn't even human. It's yeah. the flora, the the microbes, the, the protozoa, the bacteria, the viruses, the molds, the yeast, the, all these things that flourish inside the gut. And there's the good flora and there's the bad flora. And once the bad flora takes hold, it's going to be there, we know, but the good flora can keep it at bay. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you were mentioning a few moments ago about how the good flora will produce B vitamins, enzymes, coenzymes, uh, amino acids the various uh, nutritional elements to keep itself healthy, it also produces uh, chemical compounds that hold back and keep at bay the growth of the bad bacteria.
1: Right, antiviral, antifungal yes. Yes. compounds are produced in there. Um, also, you know, if you put the digestive system out flat, it would cover an entire tennis court.
0: Yeah, that's, that's hard to imagine, but that's, yeah. that's an anatomical fact that is true.
1: Yeah, it's um our biggest barrier, as you explained last time. It's really the outside of our body. You know, it's not the inside, from from the top hole, of your mouth, all the way down to your anus. It's in a completely outside, and it has. It's the biggest disassembly line in the world, and it has to take this big steak you just ate, or this this these skittles with all the <laughs> the food coloring and take that and neutralize it and examine it and say, you're going inside me because I need you and want you, but you're not. You're, you're staying out. You're going right out. Even yeah, though it's
0: inside and it's dark and it's moist and it seems hidden, it's really outside of the body.
1: It's very particular about what it will let inside. And it has to be nice and healthy to be able to break down some of these proteins. Some of these proteins you've heard about, like gluten, is a particularly hard protein to break down. It's not a bad protein. It's not the enemy that everybody says it is. Same with casein, the protein in most dairy. It's not necessarily a bad, well, it's not bad protein at all. But when you have sick, you have a sick gut, you're not able to break it down. And so you go off gluten, you go off dairy, and you go, ah, I feel better. I'm all healed. That was the problem, the evil gluten. Well, that's not true at all. What's really scary is that you couldn't break down the gluten. I mean, you just think about it. You used to be able to when you were a child. You ate bread all day long. You broke it down. You didn't get a tummy ache. You didn't feel sick. So what's changed? It's it's the flora in your gut. And what is one of the biggest offenders to the gut is antibiotics. And there's many other things. There's steroids, um, the birth control pill is um a real big def- offender on a daily basis, besides messing up your hormone, that very delicate hormone balance in your body. Um, but as far as the gut, those are very, very bad things. And then all the bad food we eat. Now your body's able to handle this a lot of times for years and years, and then finally it just says, Okay, that's one round of antibiotics too much, or that's one flu shot too much. Uh you know, it's just wiped out the good flora. Now, if you were nursed a long time ago and you you have that good flora embedded in the walls of your colon, then it will come back. But if you weren't nursed and you didn't have a very good start in life and you got antibiotics in the first three days of your life or in the first 20 days of your life, you got a big problem with your immune system. You got some big issues. So those are the types of people that de- n- do need to take a probiotic every day. In fact, twice a day would be really good to keep that good flora, that those good bugs, so to speak, in the lumen in the in, in the middle, you know, the inside, which is really the outside <laughs> of your body. So to fight the fight because you don't have the good stuff coming back. So what happens with antibiotics, it kind of. Antibiotics kind of act like chemotherapy; they just kill everything, at least especially the wide-spectrum antibiotics. And if you have good flora embedded in your walls, it will come back. It takes about two weeks to two months, but in that time, there's a, that's an opportunistic time where opportunistic bacteria and yeasts get hold, and Candida being one of them, which is a really terrible. Terrible um, yeast that actually drills tentacles down in into the walls of your digestive tract, into your liver, into your kidneys, um, and that that's one way we get leaky gut just from the tentacles being drilled everywhere. But the the bad thing about that, the diabolical thing, is it actually makes you crave the very food that feeds the candida, and that's sugar. And what do we give ourselves when we're sick? Comfort oh, food, ice
0: cream, yeah. pudding.
1: Popsicles. You know. Yeah. And, you know, so that's the very last thing that we need to be giving ourselves when we're sick. But that's the very thing we do. Um, it's, it's very messed up. That's the time we should be really critical that we're only having soup, soup, chicken soup, as our great grandmothers used well, to do. Well, this
0: podcast is kind of an introduction to the gut anyway. So right. at this point, maybe we ought to talk about uh, what we can do to start to heal the gut. Because the gut is our first line of defense. Mm -hmm. And with these uh, growing epidemics, pandemics around the planet, and there's always some new thing that comes down the pike that scares people, uh, what can we be doing to strengthen the gut and to get our immune systems active? Because most people want to do something besides just wash their hands.
1: (laughs) Well, to start off really cheaply, we can just make soup. And I'm talking homemade Chicken soup or bone broth soup or pork soup. I mean, that's, that's another fallacy that pork is bad for us. Now, granted, pork that has sodium nitrates in it and, you know, terrible preservatives, you don't want to eat that. But pork's DNA is the closest DNA to ours. Um, and also, it smells so good because it is so good. It is good for us. But my ex-husband used to raise pigs um, for a time. And he said, they're more intelligent than dolphins or, or dogs or anything else. And he says, and they don't smash together. They don't eat slop. They're very picky about what they eat. They have extreme personalities. I mean, you can train pigs. They're very, very bright. Um, and they will congregate in little families unless you shove them together in these big, horrible commercial farms. And they'll just stay in those families forever. I mean, they're bright animals. And their pork soup from from pork necks or pork ribs is so good, and that's why it smells so good to us. What what child will turn down
0: bacon? Bacon.
1: bacon. Yeah.
0: They even have bacon Sundays at some of the yeah. at some of these stores I've seen.
1: Yeah, deep fried Twinkie bacon. <laughs> they have terrible yeah. things <laughs> because uh, I mean, obviously we crave the sugars for the wrong reasons, but we crave pork. And bacon and stuff like that for the right reasons. So chickens are, you know, you have to be careful with chickens because they're a filthy animal. Um, a lot of parasites live in chickens. But if they're able to eat, be the carnivores they're supposed to be, chicken soup can be really good for you. Um, if they're not fed genetically modified corn, which is not a natural food for them at all, corn, I mean, of course not genetically modified. But um, chickens will eat people. I mean, chickens are carnivores. and They'll eat each you know, other. It's a good thing they're as small oh, yeah. as they are. Yeah. If they were great big, you know, size of dinosaurs,
0: we'd be in trouble. They, they will herd mice towards one another and they will capture the mice and eat the mice. They will eat other birds. They eat bugs. They eat slugs. They eat grass. They eat seeds.
1: Which has a lot of good nutrition in it. So, you know, that gets converted you know, for us. And so chicken soup is really good, especially if you can get the marrow out of it. And just real quickly, I'll teach you how to make chicken soup. It's not hard at all. Even I can do it. And cooking is against my religion. So
0: <laughs> Well, maybe we can put the recipe at the end of this podcast. I sure,
1: I sure will. We'll put the recipe and we'll also put the protocols for supplementation to help you get over this. Because, you know, with this epidemic of, or pandemic of um, ebolic, you know, covering the earth. This is pretty scary. We've got to do this quick and fast and get our gut healthy again. So quickly, you get a chicken, you take it to the butcher, you hand it to him, you say, please cut this up in bite-sized pieces. Um, not real pretty, like that. I don't want a pretty breast and a pretty drumstick. I want it in bite-sized pieces because I want the bones cut. I want that marrow exposed. And then say, I want everything back. I want the skin. I want the giblets. I want everything back. If you can, if you can get the chicken feet, That'd be wonderful. That's very nutritious. And um, go home, put it in a pot of water, cover it about five inches above the chicken and pour in some apple cider vinegar. Let it set for an hour, maybe two hours to leach out the minerals and then turn it on. Turn it on, cook it a what? An hour and a half, two hours. This is for chicken soup, not bone broth. Bone broth you'd cook two or three days um, but a lot of people have a hard time with bone broth. It doesn't taste super well, you know. And so you want to supplement. If you do chicken soup, you want to supplement with food wafers because you do need to get that bone into you if you can. Um, we'll explain food wafers in a little while. But if you just want a really good, warm, tasting, comforting chicken soup, just cook it for an hour, hour and a half. Take it off the pot. Separate the chicken from the bones. Throw everything away.
0: Except the meat.
1: Except the meat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you want
0: to run the the broth through a sieve to get all of a the A
1: very tight sieve. And we, we what we use you've been cloth. doing lately, you've been doing cheesecloth, which makes the the um soup taste much better. Oh, and I need to back up just a little bit. Scrape the sides of the bowl as it's cooking, the the pot as it's cooking, and get all that mucky muck stuff off yeah. the off the sides. And um and then and then after you've strained the broth which is the gold i mean that's the most important that's got the fat and everything in it put it back on the stove and put in some salt and pepper we like to put in a whole pound of butter <laughs> if you can handle butter if you can handle the casein if you're if you don't have such a bad leaky yes. gut um if not you can't do that but and then put the chicken back in And you can add vegetables into it if you'd want, if they're cooked really, really well. But the main reason you want vegetables in chicken soup is to soak up the fat. The fat is the healing part of the gut rebuilding protocol. The fat is the most important. The protein's good. You can put the meat back in. But a lot of that's, you know, the nutrients have been cooked out of it. But, you know, I like to have a little meat. You kind of feel like you've been Mm -hmm. fed. So you put that back in and you've got chicken soup. I mean. the only hard part is taking the meat off the bones, and that's kind of yucky. But I tell you what, if you get the kids to help, it, help you do it, they'll, they'll want to eat it more. And this is just a soft food diet. This will help heal and seal the gut. Now, you need a few other products to help do this, but what we're trying to do is get these little cells in the gut healthy again. They're called enterocytes. And they're born every single day and they travel up the villi, that's the brush border and you can kind of think of it that way of your intestines and they travel up the villi and they die every night and 127 billion of them come out of your colon every day or should. These little enterocyte cells have to be very young and healthy because they have a huge job to do. On the top of these little enterocytes are these little microvilli, and in this microvilli is where the work of digestion is, go- is done.
0: And that's the brush border.
1: That's actually the brush border, and, and you're right.
0: But and this is where the manufacturing of B vitamins, amino acids,
1: all of them. Uh,
0: proteolytic enzymes, everything that furthers.
1: Vitamin K2, biotin, panolithic acid, every single thing. Every B vitamin, B1, B2, B4, which you won't hear about. (laughs) We may talk about later. B, you know, B12, um, folic acid, all of these incredibly important vitamins that, you know, we're shooting ourselves up with B vitamin shots and we're taking synthetic complex B vitamins and all this stuff. But most of the B vitamins are water soluble. They're washed out of you, even if you're eating them or taking them in about six hours. And so you want, you want to understand that if you get your own gut healthy, your own gut will yes. produce these B yes, vitamins, which give you energy, which give you zest for life, which feed your nervous system, keep your heart beating. Well, let me
0: ask you this. of uh, Let's just use the Americans themselves as population study here. How many of them have bad guts? All, all of them? them. Probably <laughs> all, of them. all of them. If they've eaten the standard American diet, That includes mold inhibitors, uh, color stabilizers, uh, preservatives, uh, denatured additives, uh, the real good stuff taken out so that they can get, you know, like the germ and the brand, Right. So they can get shelf life instead. MSG. MSG. uh, Oh, that's a a big one right there. A very powerful neurotoxin. Uh, Food dyes. These things wreck the gut. They not only wreck the gut in the sense that these things have, uh, when they're broken down, partially broken down, whatever, by the enzymes of digestion, they form poisons themselves that that destroy the zonulin proteins that hold the cells together, creating holes, leaky gut.
1: Yeah. Remember those little enterocytes I told you about? They're held together with these zonulin proteins Mm -hmm. and everything you just said. And it's supposed
0: to be a tight wall. And the way things get through the wall, the digested material in the lumen of the gut gets through the wall into the bloodstream, is through by absorption through these enterocytes. And the enterocytes, there's lymph inside these enterocytes, there's capillary um, beds so that fresh arterial blood's coming in, uh, exhausted venous blood is being removed, the lymph is clarifying, cleaning, policing things. So that you've got a you have an immediate food delivery and t- trash takeaway all done at the same moment as this stuff passes through, Brilliant. but when most of this stuff coming through is no longer really technically what Mother Nature would consider food, the system begins to break down, holes begin to form, and stuff gets through the walls of the gut into the bloodstream that should not be there that's where our allergies come from the food allergies the The respiratory allergies are triggered by these kinds of reactions. Histamine is released. And then before you know it, you know, I mean, how many kids have food allergies when they're two or three years old as opposed to when they're 20 and 30 years old? And suddenly there's all kinds of stuff they can't eat anymore. The gut, an organ in and of itself, you know, the digestive system is one of the organs of the body, but the gut itself stands premier as the frontline guard to not just provide us with nutrition from this disassembly plant you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, you you think of Ford and his his mass production, (laughs) mass assembly, mass production system, where all these thousands of parts would come together to make a Model T. Our digestive system is exactly the opposite. You have a Model T, imagine that. Just imagine a brand new Mercedes 500 series pulling into the front of this thing, and on the other end are all the parts.
1: But it reassembles too. I mean, the proteins get broken down into amino acids and they go through in the bloodstream and they reassemble themselves. Yeah, well
0: they get into the, the amino acids in, inside the cell wall of the various cells of the body. And then under DNA directorship and RNA mm-hmm. messaging, these mm-hmm. amino acids are then reassembled back into proteins that uh, are fine inside the cell. They're not supposed to be in the bloodstream. And so when you have... um. A leaky gut and some of these proteins that are undigested get through the wall of the gut into the bloodstream. Severe reactions, severe allergies can take place. And then all of a sudden someone says, oh, you have a gluten allergy. You should have no gluten in your food. <laughs> so you start eating gluten-free foods. I mean, the recent, our local supermarket had a big gluten-free week.
1: Oh, we had a big convention. Oh, we gluten. did, didn't we? Yes, a huge convention. Everything was gluten-free.
0: It's so sad. They've done us a huge disservice. Yes, it's a terrible disservice because the holes in the gut are still there, leaking other proteins.
1: Yes, and eventually you'll just be allergic to more and more and more things. So why don't we
0: fix the holes? Why don't we just (gasps) plug the holes? Some forbidden information. Yeah, there you go.
1: So there's your first line. Make some soup. Okay? Then, of course, you do need to... Follow our recipe
0: for the soup. You can get everything you need for your soup. You can get it at your local supermarket. But follow the recipe exactly. Kids will eat it.
1: You can bring people back from the dead with. Soup. Well, we've
0: done it in our with, office. With bone
1: broths, yeah. especially. Yeah. So that's, that's the first line of defense. Then you've got to throw in some probiotics to help fight the fight. You've also got to throw in some prebiotics, which are very helpful. You don't have to, but these are very helpful things. Um, if you were nursed, you can maybe get away from even using probiotics, but, um, but I would, I mean, at least for a month or two now. And then, and then the prebiotics are things like lactic acid yeast wafers, which eats the carbs yep. Yep. and so the, the, you know, the uh, fecal matter that's been built up for, I don't know how long. I had a lady that went and got a colonic and the colon hydrotherapist said, Oh, I see you had corn last night. <laughs> and she says, No, I haven't had corn in two years.
0: Ah, where's that <laughs> corn been hiding?
1: That's coming out of her right now. So, so you gotta, you know, what they say, John Wayne died with 50 pounds of fecal matter in him. That's
0: probably a lifestyle, but. Yeah. Every time I hear that story, it gets, is bigger it 40? And bigger. Is it yes. 30
1: pounds? <laughs> but anyway, you can lose weight just doing that. Hey, there, there you go. That's a good buzzword. Get, you can lose weight just getting rid of the old built up fecal matter and lactic acid yeast wafers will really help with that, which will put the protocol at the end. Now. To break down proteins, though, you need more acid in your stomach. You need more hydrochloric acid in your stomach, not less, like the doctors tell you. That's why we're out here giving this forbidden information. Yeah, because most people have
0: digestive problems because they don't have enough acid.
1: Yeah, they can't break down the protein. So the food sits there and rots and putrefies and ferments. And it's your body says, get out of here. And it tries to spit it up right there. The pyloric valve won't open up and let it down into your small intestine because it doesn't want it to beat up all those little cute little enterocytes and villi and everything else. When it does get down there, when you take Prilosec and it forces the pyloric valve open and the food gets down into your small intestine, not digested like into peptides after... I mean, proteins go through one change into peptides, and then your enterocytes take them from peptides into amino acids. They break them down into very tiny particles, amino acids, so you can absorb them through the gut wall. But if those don't get broken down, they will beat up the villi and the little enterocytes in there, and your body will never let that happen because you would die. So it builds up this thick wall of mucus to protect the little villi and the little enterocytes. Well, that's good because then they don't get beat up, but then that's bad because you can't absorb
0: nutrition. Yeah, because then you've got this wall of mucus that's preventing the absorption.
1: Yes, and so this thick wall of mucus eventually becomes like plastic in celiac patients, and just nothing gets through, and you starve to death. I mean, you just take a look at Steve Jobs, who... Didn't eat any fat or any animal proteins for decades, and he was just killed himself. I mean, just look at him. He was just an Auschwitz-victim-type skeleton when he died. Wasn't absorbing anything. I had a a Crohn's patient patient of our clinic that had Crohn's, and he said he was having 15, 16 bowel movements a day, and he would drink water as he walked to the bathroom because he said it would just come right back out. Wow. I mean, he was dying. Definitely. They were talking about cutting out his colon and everything else. So we were able to turn him around in about four months. He's never had that problem since to any degree, although if he would get off his um, Dr. Pepper, he'd probably do better. (laughs) But this is what we do, you know? I mean, we've just got to do a few things once or twice a year, get our gut back in shape, unfortunately, then we can abuse it a little bit. But, you know, we know that's not ideal. We know it's not good to smoke. We know it's not good to eat, you know, aspartame, Diet Cokes. We know it's not good to have, you know, too much alcohol, too much um, sugars, too much, you know, terrible foods. And then we erroneously think the vegetables are going to rebuild us. And that's just not right. Fat is what we need to get in our bodies to rebuild to soothe, to heal and seal our gut. And the best way to get fat, the tastiest way to get fat is through soup. Now, another quick way is to do um, butter, lots of butter, lots of cream, you can put butter in your coffee. That's a idea from um, Bulletproof Executive, he has another podcast um, on YouTube, well, I guess it's everywhere. And, um, I recommend you go listen to him, but he has this recommendation, putting a lot of butter in your coffee. Anyway, you can get fat down. I'm all for you just go for it and get it in you. So, because fats are free food and of course, good fats are the best food in the world. Bad fats are the worst food in the world. So soup is a really good way. And then we have other things, for instance, prolamine iodine or, or, uh, iodine, will pull fats into the cell membranes. I mean, that's one of the reasons iodine is so good for you, besides what you mentioned earlier about it it, um, sterilizing your blood because all the blood goes through your thyroid. Um, But iodine is so good to pull fats into your cell membranes, and you have to have very soft, moist, supple cell membranes so each cell can release toxins and absorb nutrition. But most importantly, your cells have to be healthy enough to die, and we talked about that earlier. Um, this is how you keep the cancers away. You keep your gut healthy. Um, if you have a healthy gut, you cannot get a digestional cancer. No
0: colorectal cancer. You, if Mm-mm. the gut is and healthy an and you gut. have the right kind of flora growing in there, keeping mm-hmm. the bad flora at bay, you cannot get colorectal cancer. Yeah.
1: So we're going to go into this a whole lot more, but we just wanted to give you a slight introduction. We'll I put It has been good. Yeah, we'll put our soup recipe at the bottom of this podcast. And also, I'm going to put a simplified GAPS protocol with standard process products, um, which we recommend you take while you try to heal and
0: seal the gut. You can do this in a month. Oh, you! I've seen patients of yours recover serious digestive problems in less than a month.
1: Well, especially arthritic problems and stuff like that. But I need about 27 days to kill candida. Yes. I need about two months to get rid of clostridia. And you never, by the way, get rid of this stuff, but you keep it at bay and keep it in, in balance. But I need about two months for that. That's a, that's a rough one. But if you don't have that or an overgrowth of that, I should say, then I, you know, miraculous things can happen within a month. Or in a couple of weeks, even. It's very... What
0: about our pandemic preparation protocol?
1: <laughs> our PPP? Yes. yes. Um, in our pandemic preparation protocol, we
0: have 636. Which was explained in a previous podcast.
1: Yes. And then we have, that's calcium lactate, cataplex C, and cataplex F. Then we have Thymex. And then we have St. John's wort high grade. Mm-hmm. That's an herb for envelope viruses, of which Ebola is. We have lactic acid yeast wafers, very important prebiotic for the gut, and we have iodine, and I think that's it. Yeah, that's an incredible pack. We have it in a family pack, or we have it in individual packs. So those would be really critical to do, and so much better than just waiting, 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 and washing your your hands. Just wash your hands and... Don't share cups or utensils or kiss or hug people who are sick. (laughs) Boy, I'm glad they told us that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because my first thing I want to do when I see somebody coughing and puking and vomiting, I just want to go kiss them. So I'm glad I have this information to not do that now.
1: (laughs) So we'll get into this a little more, well, a lot more in the next three or four podcasts. We, um, there's a lot to discuss about the gut. I hope we don't make it too complicated because it is really quite simple to do. Really easy. Don't be too scared. We've got a really easy, um, six stage pro, um, well, instructions, I should say that.
0: will heal and seal the gut.
1: Incredibly easy to follow. Yes. So we'll add that in our next protocol. We'll talk about the different stages of healing and sealing the right. gut. So, okay.
0: I think you did a good job.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is going to save a lot of people's lives. So remember to tell people about this podcast. Remember the power of one person getting out and telling everybody what's what we do here is really important. So tell people about our podcast. Go rate it. Let's get it high up on iTunes. Please give us a five-star. If you can't squeak out a five-star, give us a four-star. It's under
0: the Forbidden Doctor on iTunes, Forbidden Doctor. Yeah. And, And And what else?
1: Let's... Let's heal the world with this forbidden information.
0: All right. Thanks, baby. Thanks. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast and Mary's and my health secrets. Now, here's where you can help us help mankind by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really want to join Jimmy Moore, Bulletproof Executive, Lear Keith, and all the other revolutionaries in saving your families with the forbidden truth about self-healing. Please like us on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Forbidden Doctor. More information is available at ForbiddenDoctor.com or call us at 866-867-5070. We answer calls. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.